0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Plenty
1: of NBA things to get into, but NCAA tournament is, you know, it's the greatest few weeks in sports. And we talked about it last week, Adam, that you can't compare it to anything else in the NBA because it's a one and done tournament. But there are two things that drive me absolutely up a wall this time of year the non-college basketball fan or just the casual fan or anybody that just jumps into the college basketball, which is 99% of the people when it comes to the tournament, yes. is I had blank. Oh. Drives me up a wall. I mean, you had. Okay, so explain yourself. Why, why did you have that? Because you heard it somewhere, okay, fine. So give that other person credit. You stole Jay Billis's picks, great. You just took what Adam Stanko <laughs> did, even better. Ed Fang told you to do it, great. So I had uh enough, and especially if you fill out more than one bracket, you cannot say oh. I. You cannot say I had. The other thing is, oh, it's the time of year when uh, I get to go try to find True TV on my channel guide. Well, you know what? If you're looking for true TV now, you've really missed out on the past seven years of Impractical Jokers. (laughs) So go back and and Google and YouTube it with Impractical Jokers Best of Joe Season 1. And if you don't laugh, you're a serial killer. So those are the two things that drive me nuts about this time of year.
2: I I absolutely love it. And you know what? I especially love the impractical jokers part of that because a buddy of mine is uh used to produce it. He still makes really? Brandon Shout out to Brandon Stern. Uh yeah, we went to college together. So I'll I'll give I'll tell him that you're a big fan of the show he used to produce at the WWE. So Oh, that's I'll, awesome. I'll let him know for sure. I'll send him a text that's as awesome. soon as uh as soon as we're done. And I think I, I think on your first point, Noah, I mean, it ranks up there with um, guys talking about their their fantasy football teams and and telling you all about their fantasy football teams. And I how think this they is did. worse. And, and, and I, I was about to say, it ranks up there, and I think this one is probably worse because it, I, I had never even thought about the idea. They didn't even get these picks in the first place. But to me, like, it's not that impressive to say, oh, I'm going to say this team's name over that team's name. That's not... That's not what's impressive to me. If you told me like, hey, I really like Belmont because I'm a huge Dylan Windler fan and I think the kid's got tremendous skill. I think he's going to be in the NBA. And the way that Maryland has turned the ball over, I'm taking them over Maryland. Like, and you watched games and came up with that analysis, then I'm impressed. But like you said, if you heard it from someone else or you just said, I like the name Belmont better than Maryland, look at me, does nothing for me. The Catch and Shoot podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot goes well with both red and white and is perfect with a workout of your choice. Our co-hosts are on both coasts and they have all of NBA Nation covered. Adam Stanko in the Bay Area and Noah Kozlov in the Big Apple.
1: Okay, we're going to get to Monica McNutt shortly, the college basketball analyst, because she does actually know what she's talking about, especially when it comes to the Big East teams, and also Howie Schwab. We'll find out when the last time someone just walked up to him
2: and said, "Hey, hey,
1: uh, can I can I try to stump the Schwab?" It's amazing that he hasn't been arrested for punching somebody. For-
2: that better be that better be our first question to him, by the way. I, I,
1: that's uh, that's the only question I have written down, <laughs> and then we'll see where the <laughs> conversation goes from there. Um, but let's get into it with explain this to me.
2: Guys, explain this to me.
1: Adam, explain this to me. 24 years ago today, as we record this on Tuesday, March 19th, it's a day after Michael Jordan sent the fax, I'm back. He returned to the court at Market Square Arena in Indiana against the Pacers. Explain this to me. Basketball was better when we were kids.
2: Noah, I, I've talked about this so many times with, with friends of mine about this idea that it was the glory years. And look, we're, we're right now in the heart of, of College Basketball Central, uh, March Madness, and, and all the figures from the early 90s, you know, this, uh, the UNLV Running Rebels, the uh, Baby Jordan um my man Don McLean dominating at UCLA and also I mean Duke and Christian Leitner and Grant Hill and Bobby Hurley and the names that you know we we know and we remember starting fives from teams that did, didn't even make um you know the national championship we talked to to John Berry a few uh a few weeks ago and and JB's team at Georgia Tech was a seven seed and had six future pros um so there's the college basketball element. But, but in terms of basketball from an NBA perspective, I mean, MJ, Ewing, all this, um, Reggie Miller, Carl Malone, John Stockton, the dream team, which will never be surpassed. I just would like to say that people have theorized that, w- that who you admire and idolize in the sports world when you're 10 years old, no one can ever surpass them because you look up to them and your view of them is distorted because it's through the lens of a fan in its purest form. It's, it's looking like up to a God. And I think that holds true, but at the same time, there's, there's just, there's stuff that bothers me about today's game and the way it's gotten so corporate and all-star games, not mattering as much. And, and uh, I I don't know that there's better basketball now. Um, I mean, I don't know that that argument can be debated. The best players, whether how they would compare eras, but when we were kids, there was something special about that that NBC music and 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 just something about watching those games.
1: Right, you, your your priorities are different. You see, and as you said, you said it very well. Seeing the world through a different lens. And I went back last night and watched the Open for that game, for the Jordan comeback game, and it's. Bob Costas narrating, and then you get the NBA on NBC Music, and then he brings in Marv, and it gives you chills. Uh, Nothing these days, really, I mean, one shiny moment sometimes, but you think about what you were doing as a kid, and me recording those games on VHS because it was Marv, and then playing them back on mute, and then broadcasting the game into a tape recorder because that's what I wanted to do with my life. You look through the game and you look at life in a different way. So was the basketball better? I don't know. The athletes, I don't really like how the players got to dictate everything these days. The athletes these days, they just know more about how to be a better athlete. I don't know if the basketball was any better, but life was certainly different.
2: And and no, I'll say one thing the, about the, the comparison of great players, and we always talk about it it's bobby knight once said that that there it's uh, great players will always be great in era, any era it's just that there's more of them now and and i i think that sort of rings true and i think will continue to ring true for for you know for our lifetimes i think there will continue to be more great players because more people are exposed to the game it's become such an international game now um the 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 training the kids get at a younger age is so impressive. So I think that there is a difference in terms of the amount of great players. But nothing bothers me more now in today's era than this idea that we always have to talk about ranking a guy's greatness in history. It drives me insane. Like there's never any more the enjoyment of what's happening right in front of us. Um and and so I, I wish LeBron could do something for better or worse without having to be compared to to Michael Jordan. I I wish that people wouldn't just say, oh well, uh, this this LeBron Kobe debate has long been since since ended. Like I I just. I I just wish we could appreciate what guys are doing in their present moment as opposed to always thinking, well, how do they rank all time and in terms of their greatness? I know those debates can be fun, but for me, it takes something away from actually watching what's going on in in front of us. And I feel like it's a modern-day trend. All right, so you you really –
1: you're a pro at this because you led right into LeBron, and let's fly through, explain this to me. So explain this to me. LeBron is – third team all NBA this year at best.
2: I mean no, when you when you look at the the list of, of talented players right now playing in the NBA and the season that LeBron's had and you factor in injuries where the Lakers are I think third team would be would be generous and and I assume that that you're in agreement with me.
1: Yeah, so I've got him at I've got him in that that last spot right now on the third team but it would depend on I think if if the Marcus Aldridge is, see I don't know, enlisted as a power forward on these things. I don't know, because you can't you can't not have Paul George and Giannis as your first teamers. Yep. Well, you could. I mean, you could have KD there, but I'm gonna go with Paul George and Giannis, and then KD and Kawhi. Even though Kawhi and LeBron have played about the same number of games, for the Raptors are one of the best teams in the league, and, and the Lakers are not. And then I've got Blake Griffin as the first forward on that third team. And then it's LeBron. And then if if you can include LaMarcus Aldridge there, then I think, or if, I mean, currently Towns is going to be a five, but LaMarcus Aldridge would be the one battling out with LeBron, in in my opinion.
2: And And wouldn't you say this, Noah? It's the first time since we can remember that you can no longer use that blanket statement that LeBron James is... The best player in the league right now. Uh, right, right. Regardless. Because we've always so, thought that we've always thought that the that he was,
1: uh, you know, that, that no injury was going to slow him down, and it was always just yeah. the well. If he, I've always said like he, father time doesn't catch up to LeBron. He is father time, and now finally he's he's had some injuries. So instead of trying to guess, well, he might get hurt this year, might get hurt this year. Okay, well, he got hurt. He got hurt. All right, explain this to me. The most amazing thing going on right now in the NBA is the Spurs playoff streak.
2: Yes, I absolutely think it is, and, and again to bring back a, a college comparison, I mean it's kind of like Kansas's big twelve streak of, you know, fourteen straight seasons. Um, the idea that the Spurs and Greg Popovich and R C Buford have been able to maintain such excellence year after year in spite of changes both in the way that teams adapt, analytics, valuing the three more, um, going through injuries, going through um, trying to keep a core group together, trying to keep superstars happy, the way free agency has changed, the way teams have tanked in order to be successful. I think when you think about all the things that we've seen over um, you know, uh, the last – 15 years it's incredible to me Noah to think that the Spurs have been able to be just like death and taxes always there in the playoffs
1: so before the season started the over under that I got was 40 and a half and I thought that was the lock of the century for the Spurs so as we record this they've won nine straight so here's some here's some numbers so they're going to go to the playoffs for 22 straight years it's going to tie with the Syracuse Nationals and Sixers For the longest streak. And and that started with the first year of the NBA. And the Sixers Nationals won two titles in that stretch. And then they're going to pass the Blazers, who did it from 83 to 03, 21 years, without a title. So, a few other notes from their game notes. They are the second highest winning percentage in pro sports over this time. The Pats at 717, Spurs 700, Yankees 588, Red Wings 562. They've had a losing record over the past twenty-two de- over the past twenty-two years for sixty-five days. The next, the next lowest, the Rockets, one thousand and seven days. One thousand and seven <laughs> days, as compared to the Spurs at sixty-five days. And then I saw a great note from uh, Paul Garcia, writes for Project Spurs, their blog. In, in a in a day and age where we have so where no lead is safe, will the Spurs this year when they're up double digits in a game? They're thirty-eight
2: and four. And and Noah, think about this too. <clears throat> All of those numbers that you point out, and sustaining a, a lead when when they're up double digits, I, I think is probably at the top of this list. All of those things that you point out, I think, are, are due to coaching. And it's during a time when I think people would argue in the NBA right now that that coaching doesn't matter as much. That because players are trying and. Uh, I'm fine with it happening, but be- because players are trying to manipulate where they end up and and who they play with, that it's become such a talent league in terms of w- how many stars you have. The idea that coaches have now been um, minimized, in at least in the eyes of the fans, but but certainly as it's pointed out all the time, and Luke Walton would be the first to raise his hand to, to point this out. Hey, coaches can only do so much, you know, when based upon injuries and when based upon uh, guys looking at their next destination, what have you. And so the idea that Greg Popovich has done this during this era is just so remarkable to me. But it's also a credit to that entire organization, the idea they stand behind Greg Popovich, they believe in his vision. And I know from from uh, people who have been around the Spurs, they say they handle everything in terms of how how – Guys work out in the offseason in terms of what they do medically. And, in fact, that's the reason Kawhi is no longer a Spurs because the Spurs are so worried about keeping things insulated that they don't allow for outside distractions or guys to go seek second opinions medically. For better or worse for the player, I'm just saying for the team, that's part of the reason they've been so successful.
1: All right, quickly explain this to me. The the fill-in-the-blank, this game is the most significant of the coming week. I'm going to jump in and give you mine. It's Sixers Celtics on Wednesday. Sixers have lost 9 of 11 against the Celtics, 0 and 3 this year, and then they went 1 in 4 in the playoffs against them last year, 1 in 4 in the regular season. Joel Embiid is sitting out the front end of the back-to-back in order to be healthy for the Celtics game, well rested. Sixers need this one psychologically.
2: Well, and I think for me that the Spurs Rockets on on Friday, I mean, you consider that we're talking about being in Houston. Um, we, we're seeing a totally different Rockets team, as you and I have discussed. And uh, it's always interesting to see, you know, the matchup of the coach that is, that is so revered, um, you know, uh, in, in Greg Popovich. And then seeing, seeing that battle with um, Mike D'Antoni, who you have uh, some, some close family relations with there, with, with his buddy Dan. Yeah, so. right. <laughs>
1: All right, let's get into Howie Schwab. Howie Schwab. We're joined now by Howie Schwab. He's a, I guess, maybe most known for being a St. John's graduate and uh and now with St. John's in the tournament. We'll we'll talk St. John's also. And you can blame him for everything that Dickie V has ever said. He's the the sharpest researcher <laughs> out there. He's I, I think he was artificial intelligence before AI actually. Became a thing, and and now he's the the Fox Sports bracketologist. So, Howie, when was the last time someone came up to you and said, "Oh, let me try to stump the Schwab"? Uh,
3: about a half hour ago. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. It, it happens sometimes, and you know what? I they stump me. They stump me. Life goes on. I'm fine. I uh, I just have fun with sports. I love sports, and this is a great time of year. Because college basketball is so exciting now, we have a great field together, and actually the NIT is pretty good too. So uh, this is just a great time of year.
1: Before before we get into the tournament, with the show that I remember, I remember watching the show, um, the show Stump the Schwab. Were you ever stressed on set?
3: Uh, A few times, a few times. One that comes right to mind was we did four shows in a day one time and by the fourth show I was like just get me out of here I don't care if I win or lose and I lost in fact I got murdered that day and I actually I remember the kid who beat me was from Johns Hopkins it was a college edition and I just I just missed two questions that one I would have thought about and maybe gotten but the other one I no I, I was fried and yeah sometimes it was stressful I mean but mostly it wasn't because I I decided I win I win I lose I lose Let's have fun. And What's that kid uh, doing now? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's producing uh, this podcast. Working, I think he, he's producing the podcast. Yeah, that would that would be interesting. <laughs> uh, I you know uh, there are one or two people who played against me that I still keep in touch with. Uh, one I became very good friends with Nabate Isles. Who's a musician? He's a great guy. Uh, and there were one or two others across the way, but uh, you know, it was fun while it lasted. I enjoyed it. I we did eighty shows, and
2: I had a good time. So, Howie, how did the whole thing? I'm I'm really curious. And again, we'll we'll get into the term because that's what really what everyone wants to hear. But no one I. Are fascinated with you as as a person too. how How did the whole How did the whole thing even start? How did you go from being this brilliant researcher with an incredible memory into someone saying, "Let's give this guy his own TV show"?
3: Well, what happened was very simple. One day, I get called into an office, uh, and Mark Shapiro, who was the senior vice president at the time at ESPN, said, uh, "Do you know why you're here?" I said. I assume it has something to do with Vital. I don't I don't know why. He goes, well, we've been talking. We're deciding to do a new TV show. I said, okay, great. What, it's called Stump the Schwab. I said, oh, interesting. <laughs> well, what, tell me about it. Uh, you're going to compete against people in trivia. <laughs> really? Okay. All right. Here. Here. here here's why I, I said it's very simple. I win, I win, I lose, I lose. Okay, that's all I care. And they sent me to New York for a meeting with uh, Mr. Davies of uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire fame. The meeting lasted about four minutes. I spent a lot more time traveling to New York than the meeting. And after four (laughs) minutes, the conversation was, well, we're starting in two weeks. Uh, Be ready. Okay. Wow. The first day we go in the set, they said, Oh, we have stand-ins for, for the rehearsals. I said, no, no, no. I want to see how this goes. I want to, I want to practice, you know, whatever you ask and uh, just have fun with it and see how it goes and get used to the lights, get used to the chair, get used to everything. And that was the smartest thing I did for the show. Cause once I did that, I felt really comfortable and it was fine. I didn't, I didn't have many problems with it. I mean, Yeah, there were times some of the questions were tough, and I missed, and I'm human, and that's fine. I lost 16 times. I was 64 and 16. One time I was in Vegas with Vital, and we're walking to a casino, and the guy goes, oh, I recognize you. I said, nice to meet you. He goes, how many times did you lose? You never lost, did you? I said, I was 64 and 16, to be honest. What? You lost 16 times? Oh, my God, that's terrible. I said, have a nice day.
1: I just laughed. <laughs> what was it like being in the makeup chair the
3: first time? Oh, that was interesting. Uh, I was like, "Oh my God, what, what's okay? Yeah, whatever." And yeah, no, they, they cleaned clean me up. My <laughs> wife still my wife still believes in doing that when I'm doing Fox, so it's all good. All right, so let's talk
1: uh, NCAA tournament. When you go about putting together your bracket. How much do you pay attention to the trends versus what you've watched seeing these teams all year?
3: Well I tell you what, if it was based only on what I watched, it would be a lot different, uh, in all honesty. There are some teams I've seen that I thought were much better than where they ended up in the in the rankings in the seedings, but that's okay. Uh I've gotten to learn a little bit more about what the committee thinks and I try to to measure that when I do my bracket that's what Fox told me to do and uh, that's fine and I I think realistically the committee did a really good job this year there are very few complaints in terms of the bubble teams I mean let's face it Indiana and Texas just lost too many games Uh, Clemson didn't have enough Q1 wins And, you know, what they did, the committee, I was 67 to 68. And it's funny, the one team I missed was my alma mater, St. John's. (laughs) And all the St. John's fans were killing me on Twitter. But I honestly wondered if they had done enough. And it was close. And they were the last team in, so I guess it was close.
2: Uh, Howie, based upon the teams that are in the field, and when you when you crunch the numbers and look at all the 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 four one seeds, obviously we see that Duke was was seeded number one overall. But in in your opinion, who is the best number one seed right now?
3: Uh, well, there's a difference between who I think the best team may be, and the team I think is going to win the tournament. Uh, right now, I think Duke is the best team on on paper, but they're also vulnerable because they can be beaten by a team that hits the threes. And if they have a bad night shooting the three, and I think back to the Louisville game when they were seven for 28 shooting threes and they, they came back and won because of their press and Goldwire was a big factor in that game, which is stunning enough in its own right. But I mean, when they're all together, they lost one game. They lost to Gonzaga. Uh, that's pretty good. So right now I think Duke is the best team going into the tournament. And I think their road is relatively easy until they play Michigan state in the elite eight, assuming that game happens. And uh, to me, this is still an exciting tournament because when you have Duke right up there, when you have Carolina, Kentucky uh, right up there, you have Gonzaga, Gonzaga, a Cinderella of sorts. Uh I mean and then you have the others like over won two of the last three years. I mean that's this field is loaded. It's gonna be great. And I'll tell you what, I think any one of eight teams can win the whole thing. Give me those eight teams. Uh well the ones and twos basically. So basically, no,
1: basically, the basically or
3: the ones and twos? Well, I I think if I were riding the top eight teams, I'd say the ones and twos. Yes, I think the threes drop off a little bit, because for example, LSU may be a little vulnerable with Will Wade not there, unless he rides in on a white horse, which would be funny. Uh, and I think they're they've been hurt by that uh, that whole situation, the the smart situation, the Nas Reed people talking about that. I mean, they played in the SEC tournament and they lost to Florida. So uh, Yale may be a tough opponent. Yale may surprise people. Uh, When I look at Texas Tech, they've had a great year, but is it smoke and mirrors? Can Culver have big games every night? Are they deep enough? Uh, Of course, uh, this is a team, Mooney's a, a solid player and Certainly they have the shot blocker from St. John's and I mean, it's interesting though, the drop off from two to three in my mind is significant because I don't, I don't think the threes can win the whole thing. And but then again, you know how crazy it is. Villanova was an eighth seed when they won NC state, Kansas. I mean, Arizona, I mean, there've been surprise teams in the tournament. So you never know. And that's what makes it exciting. And, of course the other exciting thing is the early round potential upsets and that'll be fun too.
2: Yeah regarding some of those upsets how you you get to watch a lot of mid major basketball and when I lived in Connecticut I'd I'd see you at the the Hartford games I mean you're a junkie like like I am and, and like Noah is and and we hit a lot of these uh small towns and love mid major basketball so based upon the teams that that you've seen or researched this year who do you really like that you feel like is undervalued right now?
3: Well, I'll tell you what. When I looked at the bracket, I saw a couple of games where I thought there are potential upsets. I think Northeastern is going to give Kansas a really tough game, but I think Kansas probably sneaks it out. But I know, I know, some other people on TV have said Northeastern, and I, I, are they really upsets now? We had a 16 beat one last year with UNBC <laughs> Yeah. Virginia, so. I mean, maybe that changes the bar now in terms of upsets. I mean, we certainly had 15 twos like Santa Clara over Arizona, for example. But I mean, right now, I'd say the game that I think would be the biggest upset that I see possibly happening is Georgia State against Houston. This Houston team has played very well this year. I like Corey Davis a lot, and I give Kelvin Sampson a ton of credit, but Georgia State. Very athletic. I was very impressed when I watched him on Sunday. And what's interesting, Ron Hunter's been there before. He knows how to prepare his team. They've scored upsets before. Uh, this could be one. Do I do I really want to go on a limb? Actually, I filled out one bracket. I did put Georgia State over Houston. Um, there we go. An, another one is Liberty, Mississippi State. I've heard a lot of people. Of course, you're going to talk about 512 because the history of 5 even though it didn't happen last year, is pretty pretty big. So, uh, to me, Mississippi State-Liberty is a really interesting game. I think Murray State-Marquette's a very interesting game because of uh, John Morant going up against Marcus Howard. And Marcus Howard hurt his wrist uh, late in that Seton Hall game in the uh, semifinals of the Big East. So, if he's not healthy. The other interesting thing about that is, murray state's in the top 10 in the country in defense against the three-point shot
0: so now
3: you look at that you look at morant against howard and this is a really fascinating game marquette had a four-game losing streak before the big east tournament won a game and then lost to seton hall so one in five last six i, I hopefully woja can straighten it out i think that's a really tough game it, it, to me, it's about a pick 'em game. I think Murray State can win that game. Uh, you know, the other 512s are interesting too, like Oregon, Wisconsin. Oregon's won eight straight games. So uh, when you look at the Ducks, uh, I know the Pac 12 has been terrible this year, and they still got three teams in. And coming off a big win against Washington, and the way their defense has been, Ethan Happen company may have a, a battle, but. I picked Wisconsin to win barely in that game, but that's gonna be a good one too. Uh, I I think some of these matchups are really exciting and, and really competitive.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And and Georgia State Adam and I were talking, I, I called one of their games this year very, very early in the season. And they can shoot they've got a lot of good three point shooters and that and that to me is always the mark of a team that could pull one of those early round upsets against a more athletic team when you shoot the three ball well. And the other team that I called a few games for this year in conference USA was Old Dominion, which, uh, look, I think you could find any expert who, you know, you're going to, with all of them out there, you're going to find someone who picks Old Dominion. But I just thought a 12-point spread was a bit too much. I think Purdue wins that game, but Old Dominion plays good defense, can't score, so I would take Old Dominion plus 12 and the under.
3: Any thoughts on Old Dominion, Purdue? Well, I'll tell you what, if there's ever a game that you want the under, it's the Oregon-Wisconsin game. Because both teams play great defense and both teams are somewhat challenged offensively at times. So uh, that could be interesting. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Old Dominion. I saw Old Dominion in person too. Oh, yeah. I saw Old Dominion play Florida Atlantic down here. I went to two Florida Atlantic games and I saw Old Dominion as a prohibitive favorite and Florida Atlantic beat them. And the one thing I thought about Old Dominion was they're not very deep. Uh Stith is a hell of a player. The kid Caver is pretty good, but mm-hmm. uh, I and I love Jeff Jones and he's such a great story. Sure. Battling cancer. He's on the sidelines coaching. I root for Jeff Jones, but uh I think Purdue with their height inside will get the the old Dominion big men in foul trouble and I think Purdue will win by about ten. But that means I they don't cover like you said,
2: so okay. Whatever.
1: Whatever. Um, speaking of trends, there's uh, very frequently the the double digit Sweet Sixteen team. Have any thoughts?
3: I'm not so sure there are that many that are going to get there this year. I know it's happened the, the, in the, the past. The trend has been one. Yeah. Well, uh, realistically, well, there been. I think there were years where ten and eleven both got in. Got the Sweet 16. I'm pretty sure that's happened. But uh, when I look at double-digit seeds, most of them I see going one, and then goodbye. I don't. I don't really see too many going two. Well, actually, there is one. (laughs) St. John's.
1: Oh, it's funny because the the winner of that Wednesday game that is that has been the trend. The winner of the Wednesday game has. I know. I know. Yeah. Well,
3: here's the thing. I think Arizona State is as inconsistent as St. John's. I think St. John's knows they have the talent and now Uh knows they have to show up. So Uh there's no more excuses. I mean, I all seen I heard excuses. Oh, we got outplayed because they wanted it more. Why in God's name are you putting on a college uniform if you don't want it? Are you kidding me? I hate that. I was furious when I read that quote. And and to me, that's ridiculous. Here's the thing. They have five guys who can score. Any one of the five guys could be the leading scorer. Pons is the guy most people concentrate on, but on a given night, Heron or Figueroa or even Marvin Clark, if he starts off well from the outside. Marvin Clark goes outside too much for me, but that's okay. Uh, The problem is, rebounding is a factor that they're going to hurt get hurt uh they have to hit some three-point shots you look at the marquette game when they lost by 32 they were horrendous shooting three but here's their redemption and their redemption is arizona state and buffalo if you'd said before the year you're playing arizona state and buffalo in the nsa tournament wouldn't you take that now i know buffalo is really good massenberg is on some all-america teams but uh, if you wanted to pick a six seed that you want to play, would you rather play them or or some of the other six seeds? I think I'd rather play Buffalo. But, uh, so I think St. John's has a shot to actually do some damage. It's scary, but of course I didn't pick them to get in the tournament. I mean, I, I look at some others, Seton Hall, I think can beat Walford, but they're not going to beat Kentucky again. I know they beat them in the regular season, but I just don't see it.
2: Uh, so, so I'm I'm not oh, enamored
3: ahead. with a lot of the double-digit seeds
2: to go for. When you've been covering this for a long time, and we'll get your your final four picks and and, and your winner in a moment. But you've been covering this, the tournament, and watching college basketball, and being a college basketball expert for a long time. I know for me, the one factor that I always look at in recent memory that I think has been such a difference maker is an NBA caliber point guard. If you look the last 15 years, every team basically has had an NBA caliber point guard that's won it, maybe not Duke um, because Nolan Smith was a combo guard. But other than that team, um, every team has pretty much had it. For you personally, what's the one defining factor when you look at a team that could win the national championship?
3: Well, I think point guard play is very important because you want to minimize turnovers. You want to have a guy, guys who can hit the three-point shot and also distribute the rock. And I think that the game has changed. It's more guard-oriented than big-man-oriented. Look how few, uh, of course, Zion, but how many big men of note are really in this tournament that are, are going to dominate? Zion's the exception to the rule, in my opinion. I mean, I, I think there are... A lot of good power forwards, but I think guard play is going to be really crucial, uh, especially limiting your mistakes. That's why a team like Wisconsin, uh, I think, can win a game or two or uh, surprise some people, but uh, to a point. I think Virginia will beat them and knock them out. But, I mean, the fact that they're good in terms of maintaining the ball and not turning it over is, is important. Uh I mean, the fun thing is seeing how teams also adjust to the pressure. Because if you've never stepped on the court for an NCAA tournament game, then all of a sudden, boom, here you are. How do you react to it? Uh, I wondered how Williamson and Barrett were going to react the first Carolina game, the first time they played Carolina and Duke, and Williamson gets hurt less than a minute into the game. So, so much for that idea. But... (laughs) uh, In this tournament, what I love is there are so many teams that uh, play as a team, that you have guys averaging maybe 14, 15 as your high score. Uh, There are a number of teams like that, and I think that makes this tournament very exciting. And uh, I know a lot of people are picking Duke, and they're the favorite, but like I said, I believe any one of the ones or twos can win the whole thing. Tennessee has slipped up a little bit down the stretch. But they're a veteran team. Maybe they bounce back. Uh, Michigan State has a guy on the sidelines who's seven Final Fours. Uh, You know, know, that's the other thing. You have Mike Krzyzewski, Rory Williams, Bill Self, John Calipari, uh, Izzo. It's pretty good, no? I mean, there are guys, I mean you have a ton of guys who've won national championships before. Uh, It's amazing. Uh, I think the cream will rise to the top and the big boys will be around at the end. All right. So so final four and winner. Final four and winner. Let me go region by region. Uh, I'll go Duke Michigan state with Duke beating them. Though I think it would be great if Michigan state won, but I'm not rooting. That's okay. Uh, we'll go Virginia over Tennessee. Uh, I'm sounding too much like chalk. I could tell, but that's okay. Uh, Kentucky over Carolina. So I'm taking a two over a one. There you Mm -hmm. go. And then I'm taking another two over one. Uh, the producer of this podcast will be very happy. I'm taking Michigan over Gonzaga. Now, before the tournament started, or before the season started, I picked Gonzaga to win. Before the St. Mary's game, I thought that Gonzaga was going to win. The St. Mary's game didn't really change my mind. What changed my mind is Gonzaga's draw. Because Gonzaga, potentially in the second round, could play Syracuse, and going against that zone is not easy. And if you remember last year, Syracuse second round beat Michigan State. And a lot of people thought Michigan State was going to win the whole thing. Okay, let's say Gonzaga wins that game. Potential Sweet 16 game. Florida State, very athletic, very deep. Can be tough. Florida State uh, had a big win last year in the tournament as well to get to the Elite Eight. Then, who's next? Potential Elite Eight game, Michigan. By that point, they'll be worn down, Gonzaga, And as athletic and deep and great as they've been, I think Michigan's going to beat them. So there you have it, my final four, Kentucky, Duke, Virginia, Michigan. My final two, Virginia and Duke. And I'm picking the Virginia Cavaliers after losing to UMBC last year. I'm picking them to win the whole thing.
1: Yeah, no team's ever done that, huh? Lose to a 16 and then uh, then win the title the next Well, game. no one's ever lost. <laughs> the only team that
3: lost to a 16 was Stanford lost to Harvard in the women's tournament. Yeah. So no other 16 has yeah. ever <laughs> been the one. Here comes Virginia's redemption.
2: That's my pick. That's awesome, and how um that that Michigan alum that's that's urging us to move this this podcast along. We're always getting counts from our producers. How you know the deal? We 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 struggle through it. That that same one though, uh, I'm going to tell him to hold off because right now we it's the catch and shoot podcast. So we typically ask the one guy you would want in a catch and shoot situation, your life on the line. Who in this tournament is the one guy that you would want to take a last shot? Uh, catch-and-shoot situation?
3: I think I'd say Carson Edwards, which may be a little different than other people who might say Marcus Howard or uh, R.J. Barrett or whomever. But uh, Carson Edwards, I think, could have a really big tournament based on his draw. Uh, I think that Purdue can can win a few games and Watched. I just gave him the kiss of death. Old Dominion's going to beat him now. But uh, Hey, you know what? It wouldn't shock. You know what? I, I don't think much would shock me. I'll tell you what. The Prairie View FDU winner, if they were to somehow uh, advance, uh, I think, that, I mean, past uh, the one seed in their bracket, uh, then I think that would be shocking. I mean, let's 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 be real here, folks. I mean, that's just not. I, and I happen. know
1: that's never happened back to back years.
4: Yeah,
3: it's <laughs> Gonzaga they play. By the way, I just had to remember Duke plays the NC Central North Dakota State winner. Yeah, it would be the big uh, big battle of Durham, NC Central and Duke. Yeah, uh, he if is, NC uh, Central beat Duke, I think I think I'd be surprised. There you go. All right. Well, but yeah. Uh, uh, even the twos, I think it would be tough for the twos to win, but like I said, there's a history there. There have been twos losing the 15s. Sure. I It happened happen uh, again. Remember uh, Michigan State, Marcus Middle Tennessee Fies. State, the last one, I think. Yeah,
1: right. I remember, And I remember thinking the yeah. first one that always comes to mind is Marcus Pfizer and Jamal Tinsley losing uh, to,
3: yeah, oh, to, I was, to Hampton. Yeah, yeah and, and Mike Greenberg picked them to win the national championship and they were out in the first round, yeah yeah what a Oof. loser
2: steve uh, oh no beat, beat yeah, arizona I'm just,
1: kidding. I'm just kidding hey uh
3: howie right. we appreciate
1: it thanks so much and uh if look if anyone goes 64 and 16 betting this tournament that's uh you've, you've, made, out, oh, no. you've made out pretty oh, well no
3: well what i love is the people who say we'll give you a, a house or a million dollars if you get a perfect bracket are, are you serious come on i yeah. mean most people are not perfect through round one i mean it's but it is what it is. And the other thing that's great about the tournament, uh, grandma and grandpa suddenly become fans. I mean, people out of nowhere go, oh, let me find out about Wofford. Uh, let me see about Georgia State. Uh, let's learn about NC Central. I mean, it's amazing. All of a sudden, people people just love the tournament and people get caught up in it. It's like a national holiday this week, and it's great, so... Let the games begin. It's gonna be fun.
1: Alright, we're looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Allie. Thanks, Allie. My pleasure. Anytime, guys.
2: That was dope. All
1: right, let's continue the college hoops conversation with the newest member of our team here at Pure Hoops Media. She'll be hosting the Buckets, Boards, and Blocks podcast. She's a college basketball analyst on Fox Sports One. Also, on the overtime broadcast on MSG Plus, I saw her over the weekend on the Knicks-Lakers game. She was an all biggies player at Georgetown, went to the Sweet 16 in 2011. She's Monica McNutt. Monica, did I miss anything? No, you nailed
0: it. Thank you. I feel like the red carpet has been sufficiently rolled out.
1: Yeah, the red carpet was rolled out for four coaches after you left Georgetown in 2011. What's going on over (laughs) there?
0: Let's listen. This is an intro podcast. we got to wait until we build more of a relationship to really dig into that. But I'm pleased that they seem to be back on the right track, and we're looking for um, the Hoyas to get back into the NCAA next year. they got a trip to the NIT this year.
1: My my brother's a Georgetown valedictorian. He graduated just uh, a few years ahead of you.
0: Nice. Shout out to bro. He's got the brains.
1: They, yeah, yeah. He, he certainly does. No He's question certain, about that. I am that. so, I am no so much more handsome that. than he is. Uh, <laughs> a question on the – since you're so focused on the Big East a lot with uh, Fox Sports. One, four Big East wins in the tournament, over or under?
0: Mm, gosh, I'm going under. Mm. And it hurts my soul to go under, but I'm going under. I think Marquette is uh, in a bad spot against Murray State. Um, I don't trust Saint John's ever. And we got Villanova and what, Seton Hall?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um I, Villanova gets it. Uh Seton Hall gets one, Villanova gets uh, the Elite Eight.
2: No, right,
1: so then we're Then we're sitting at four. So then it's a push. Oh, is it
0: four? Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll take the push then. I don't, okay. Marquette and Saint John's are out for me. First they don't make it through the first weekend. Sorry. Oh good. All good. <laughs>
2: What what is it about? I mean, Marquette, you've seen him quite a bit. Um, Everyone's in love with with Marcus Howard and rightfully so because of what he's done this year. Um, What is it about Marquette that you you don't seem to to like?
0: So here's my theory, guys. And I was kind of looking at the last four champions to see if there's anything to it. I think momentum is one of the most underrated aspects of our game, maybe in sports in general. Marquette down the stretch did not close very well to me. Um, I was at the Garden when they lost to Seton Hall. Marcus Howard is tremendous, but that is not sustainable to me. And I think the matchup of the tax that he's going to have to expend trying to slow down John Morant, like, you're not going to have the legs to pull up three feet, four feet from behind the arc and hit long. You know what I mean? Like, I -hmm. think that that matchup is going to be a little bit too taxing defensively. Um, And then – if I, I they also think they're a little bit prone to foul trouble with their bigs, um, the Hauser brothers they're talented, but you get them foul trouble in the tournament, that is like such a game changer.
2: You, you, oh, sorry, no, I was gonna say that, um, you know, you talk about Seton Hall, they have a talented kid of their own that people don't aren't really aware of in Miles Powell that is just explosive. I mean, that kid, I think he's lost what 60 pounds, Monica, during mm-hmm, his time mm-hmm. at, at Seton Hall. Uh, for people who haven't seen him and and seen the Pirates, what what can you tell them about them?
0: It's crazy because I'm I was just at an event and I was having conversations with Fred Stult and Clinton Porter. This is quick football reference. They're talking about recruiting guys to come to the organization or signing guys rather that are out of the Southeast region because there's a different breed of football player that comes out of that region in terms of guys that are running toward a goal, running away from something. I don't know Miles Powell personally, so I can't speak to his family. But watching that kid play. He has a look in his eyes that no one is going to stop him, and I think his team feeds off of that in a way that other teams in the Big East don't quite have the same kind of effect. Shamari Stone has it a little bit, but St. John's to me is just so up and down. You just you just never know what you're gonna get with that. But he has a focus, he has an intensity, he has a confidence. It just oozes out into those other guys. Like he would be one, I think, you keep an eye on as one of those darlings of the NCAA tournament that sort of surprises some folks for sure. All
1: right, so give me the the darling team. Or teams of the NCAA tournament, and by that I mean a team six seed or
0: higher getting to the Sweet Sixteen. So I know you said six seed, but I'm I'm telling people watch out for Houston. They've got a three. Um, My six seed or higher, um, I think you got to watch out for Belmont. I think they get their first two against Maryland. I'm not. They get Temple, then they get Maryland. I'm not sure who they would see next. And then honestly. I don't know. I don't know if these guys can get to the Sweet 16, but I'm keeping an eye on this Old Dominion Purdue thing. Something about it. Like Purdue momentum. I'm not crazy about it. Old Dominion rallying around Jeff Jones, battling prostate cancer. It's March, it's magic, it's madness. Something about ODU. Um, and then what seed did Buffalo get? I think they're are they like a Six. seven Okay, Six. they're right there. Buffalo would be my like other team, and I don't know if that's a big surprise. But I think they had a lot more buzz earlier in the season when they rattled off 12-1, and 1, and then they were ranked in the top 25. And it has, it has kind of subsided a bit. Um, but Buffalo will be my sweet 16 surprise, I think.
1: Final four and winner?
0: Cool. final four and winner. Guys, I haven't really gotten to my final four. Okay. <sighs> <sighs> I got Houston. I'm going to go with Benzaga. Ooh. Um, Duke. And Virginia. All right, that'll work. Yep, that's what I'm going with. So yeah, who's your winner? Work. My winner? Ugh. I think Gonzaga beats Duke. I think you – oh, God, Virginia, Houston. I think I, – mm, I think hey, Virginia –
1: Houston's not going to the national championship game.
0: You don't think that would be crazy? You don't trust Kelvin Sampson, like his combination of guys. Like, they just got to play well each no, I'm game. I'm it's not going to happen. All right, then I got Virginia. I'm going to go Gonzaga, Virginia. Let's take it out to the West Coast this year, Gonzaga.
1: Nice, nice. All right, so you know, uh, you know?
0: go ahead, Adam.
2: I was just going to say what's so interesting about that is, like, it feels like everybody loves, I mean, me included, uh, Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia. So, so many brackets this year are going to depend on what, Typically, doesn't separate them is like that score at the end when you're like mm-hmm. asking, you know, you know when when Noah asks uh, his wife Marissa, he says, "Hey, Marissa, what do you think the score is going to be in Virginia Duke?" And she's like, "Well, you know, honey, it's going to be eighty-two to, to sixty-seven, and that's what's going to win Noah the pool this year." So, oh my um, God, I just think in general everyone's got that it's going to be separated at the top there. But sorry, yeah, no, I didn't it, mean to cut you off.
0: It's kind of boring, but I, I do think chalk is on to something this year.
1: You didn't mean to cut me off. You didn't mean to insult my wife.
0: (laughs) I think that's a great suggestion, Marissa. (laughs) Man,
1: brutal. Um, Buckets, boards, and blocks. What should we expect?
0: Um, We should expect some dope conversations uh, with some dope hoop people. I think some non traditional hoop people is what I'm hoping to go for. There's like this conversation evolving of like pure hoop heads versus like YouTube hoop heads or overtime or some of the other things that we have out there that kind of combine basketball. But I think, guys, it's really the whole package, right? Like we love the scores and the highlights, but it's really a whole basketball culture that makes us all crazy about it. So I'm looking for some dope conversations, some twisted perspectives, um, just some good energy, fresh takes on why we all love the game.
1: Nice, uh, Monica, um, we know that uh, you know, my brother is a valedictorian. Uh, you can't count to four and you both went to Georgetown. <laughs> So I don't know I don't know how you both got in but I guess you play ball so I...
0: <laughs> Listen, I will own that Noah. I will totally own that. I can bounce a basketball. I'm a much better writer than I am when it comes to numbers and such. So yeah. Nice.
1: All right. Uh Monica. Well, as long as you can speak. Monica. You got your bro- you got the podcast. So we're good. There we go. <laughs>
2: Monica, you're going to have to get used to Noah and, and the snarkiness. I have, have started to get used to it, and uh, I have an affection for him. But we are both – I can I can speak for Noah. We are both super excited that you're uh, part of the Pure Hoops team. So, so thank you for being a part of this. And we're really excited to, to hear the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me on, guys. I can't wait. April 11th, buckets, boards, and blocks. Let's go. Time to hit the spread. So
1: at the top, you know, I railed against the folks who say, I had, I had, I had. Well, if you – I mean, I'm just going to listen to Adam, and I'll just say, well, Adam Stanko had it, so I put it down. The Pac-12 network producer watches more college hoops than I certainly do. I I call a few games, but I don't watch nearly as much college hoops as Adam does. So I want to go with, based on trends, Adam, and this is our spread today, give me the team seated seven or higher to make the Final Four.
2: Yeah, and, and Noah, this isn't necessarily... My thoughts on these teams will make the Final Four, but as you as you point out, based on trends, there we'd expect one of them to be there. So if they right. are, it would be, and in this case, I think uh, Nevada. I think we're talking about a team that um, is one of the oldest teams in the tournament. They're basically, you know, all seniors: Martin Brothers and Jordan Caroline. Um, and uh, the the cool thing about Nevada is that they Eric Musselman just has these guys with the freedom to take any shot that they want. So they play so loose, and yet they're a veteran squad. They're stronger than their opponents. They're older. They're, they're older guys. They're in their mid-20s, basically. And so because of that, they're never afraid of a bad situation. They came back from games last year, and uh, they've only lost four games this year. I expect them to uh, certainly make a deep run and definitely, um, you know, at the very least be a challenge there in, in the West region to a very good Texas Tech team. I think they'll get by Michigan.
1: All right, so let's go with, then, aside from Nevada, give me the other team seated six or higher to be in the Elite Eight.
2: Um, I would say Iowa State or Maryland. Iowa State has the most talent of any team that's not in the top four. Um, Shayok is a, is a Virginia transfer. You've got um, Kid Lindell Wiginton, who was you know going to be up for Conference Player of the Year. He ended up having an injury and moved to the bench this team is just loaded, um, so they've got tons of talent. They just have had issues being sort of focused on the defensive end. They've figured that out as of late, so Iowa State to me is rolling right now. So I certainly like Iowa State. And then Maryland has a kid in Bruno Fernando who looks a lot like DeAndre Ayton in terms of his mm-hmm. body and just like – he's an Adonis as people have, have referred to him as another kid up front, Jalen Smith. Um, they, their their backcourt uh, is is impressive as well. I just think the biggest thing for Maryland is they turn the ball over a lot. If they if they can control some of that, and I think they got that out of the way, um, you know, in their conference tourney loss, I, I think that uh, Maryland could be another team that we see in uh, in the elite eight. All
1: right, and then lastly, the double digit seed in the Sweet
2: Sixteen will be who? Oregon. I know I'm biased, but Oregon. No, you're th- not biased. I, you're- I, no, I am, but I but I will say this: Oregon's playing in the Oregon's playing in uh, in San Jose. So first of all, they're going to have a lot of fans there. There's Bay Area fans that a lot of Bay Area kids went to uh, to to Oregon. But but in addition to that, um, defensively they made a switch late in the season, and, and Dana Altman's got a ton of talent. People remember early in the year they had Bull Bull. He got hurt, but now they added this guy Francis Socorro, to their starting lineup. Kenny Wooten was playing with a broken jaw. He had his jaw wired shut. And the guy was playing with a face mask and a broken jaw. Eight. He's he's healthy now and blocks a ton of shots. They're impossible to score against. They, they've won eight straight, and they, they're holding their opponents to an average of 57 points a game. So you're not going to be able to score against them. And Peyton Pritchard is a point guard who played on the Final Four team. So. Um, Oregon is, uh, they're better than Wisconsin and shouldn't be seeded at 12, but of course you have to seed them that way based upon the year they had. So uh, it's unfortunate for Wisconsin, but they'll get by them, and then I see them having no problem getting by K State or, or UC Irvine. All right, what we'll do
1: is for the other ones, because I, I still have a few more questions to win round of 64 games. Two 13 seeds, two 12s, two 11s, three 7s. I'm going to ask you those on Twitter so you can get those. Mm. You just follow at Pure Hoops Media, also at Naismith. Lives on Twitter. I'm at Noah Koslov. C O S L O V, and that's how that's how we'll do the rest of those. What do you think? That works for me, brother. Okay, cool.
2: I think we're about to go off the rails.
1: So we'll wrap with this, and thanks again to Mon- Monica McNutt and Howie Schwab. My last trip of the season, I, I went to the Conference USA tournament to call it the quarterfinals for Stadium, and I get to the I get to the gate. And as we're about to board, the, door, the boarding door isn't open yet, and I hear Mr. Kozlov to the service desk. So I walk up to the service desk and I said, uh, Yes. And I'm Noah Kozlov, and this woman, uh, middle aged woman, says, uh, oh, Come over here, please. And we're standing by the boarding door, and she says, Do you have a copy of your passport? I said, Yeah. Uh, not passport, uh, your boarding pass. I said, Yeah. So I show her my phone. She said, Do you have a printed copy for the captain? I said, I said, uh, I said no. She said, "Are you
2: armed?" What?
1: <laughs> yeah. So 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 many things went through my head, but I was like, "This is not a time to make jokes." Um, what, first was your, my, what was
2: your lead joke going to be? It was
1: immediately going to be the Wayne's World line when Wayne's girlfriend got him the uh, the gun, and he said, or the gun rack, and she said, "I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate a rack. What will I do with a gun rack?" And I said, uh, I said, no. And she said, hmm, you're not armed. I said, no, no, ma'am. And then I wanted to thank her for noticing that I'd been going to the gym a bunch. Um, So again, no jokes. And uh, she said, all right, well, I'll get this figured out. I said, yeah, okay. I I hope so. And then then I walked away. So I think they thought I was the air
2: marshal on the plane. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now for people for people listening to this we've never met face to face Noah and i know you filled me in on on uh, this is going to sound really weird about sort of what you look like your body type <laughs> if you will <laughs> oh, this um, is going to sound weird really oh really well it's yeah. going to sound even weirder because you also you also told me that you think your uh, your feet are shrinking and yeah. so i'm and i'm down I to I picture all these things together a 59 guy whose feet is sh- are shrinking I mean, what a huge compliment that you're the air marshal that's going to to save us. That's
1: what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. All right, you want to uh, thank all the necessary folks?
2: I'm glad you said it because we are contractually obligated. I want to start with Jeff Terini. Uh He's been he's been amazing to edit. Actually, Noah the for the Pure Hoops Media um, site as as well as you know our its yeah, own it separate good. podcast. Quick hitters, 68 individual team profiles, and uh, Jeff edited all of those. So I want to thank Jeff. Check him out on uh on uh, Apple Podcasts. And uh of course Bruce Bernstein, our our wonderful producer. Um He's the best. The best yes. really. And nobody no, nobody and, and counts and down like Bruce. Nobody. He he really does. He really he's amazing at, at counting down. He's gonna get you that email that you asked for too, Noah. He's, and, amazing, um, he's amazing, you and, know, I think
1: uh, I think about I think about Bruce every time I hear that uh ad for Quip toothbrush because it says nobody knows how long they're brushing for. Now, I bet Bruce does because he's always counting <laughs> down. Because they, and, and every 30 seconds it tells you like, alright, now you have 90 seconds. Now you have a minute. And, and that's how Bruce lives his life. So I, I, I think about Bruce every Quip commercial I hear.
2: So Bruce, thanks for that countdown that you gave yeah, us just you. now uh, and telling us to get off. I think we went by the countdown. Noah. Um, but I still that doesn't stop me from stopping Eric Newman and uh, Scott Kelka and the rest of the pure hoops media team so, so uh so great. you know we, we took care of that oh and noah people should subscribe rate review we do actually appreciate the people that are listening to this podcast it's been a lot of fun to do and, and Noah, of course i want to thank you because you're you're the absolute best my man
1: and thank you and um when nevada goes to the final four i'm gonna say i had it
2: <laughs> perfect The Catch and Shoot podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.
4: When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.